All right, folks, welcome back to yet another edition of the Bibs Corner Podcast. This is episode 23. As always, I'm your host, Mike Bibbins, at Bibs Corner on Twitter. For the sports stuff, um, coming off a rough, rough loss tonight, rough for many reasons. Uh, we'll get into that as we go along. Um, a lot to address on the podcast tonight, and... Um, You know, when I sit down to do these, I don't have any set time frame I'm trying to get it done in. I really just kind of set my game plan and then hit record. And um, whatever happens, happens on the timing. So we'll see if this ends up being a long pod. Um, I guess if you're listening to this, you already know the runtime. So you'll you'll know if I accomplish my goal of trying to keep it around that 30 minute mark. But um, but yeah, man, PG (laughs) has been buttons yet again. Uh, I don't know if Seth is in his head or what the case might be. He's, he was three for 16 tonight. Uh, but we still let him be effective by sh- double teaming him or helping off of our of other men to, to guard him. And um, at this point, I think I would just <laughs> let him shoot or play him one-on-one, let him do whatever he's going to do. Uh, I think he has seven assists tonight because of guys cheating off their men, things like that, to, to help out on him. And I, I really don't, don't think that's necessary at this point. Um, for the third time in this series and, and three games, one of our stars was limited for one reason or another. Uh, in the first game, it was KP getting ejected in the third. Uh, last game, it was Luka getting into foul trouble in the third. And now tonight, it was uh, Luka with the ankle injury. Um, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. The x-ray was done to see if... Um, they they had any actual uh, bone structural type damage, and um, they haven't gotten the results as of the recording of this podcast. I haven't heard anything, so they must not have had that that Zach Collins or that Dame X ray ready, <laughs> where he got the results like five minutes after the the injury happened. Uh, but I imagine that Luke is probably going to have to end up getting an MRI on that ankle. Uh, he twisted it one way the other night. And then twisted it the other way in this game. So uh, that ankle's been been through it <laughs> in this series already. Um, depending on how bad the swelling is, I believe, you know, if the swelling is too bad, they won't be able to do an MRI. But uh, we'll see what happens with Luca's ankle. The, the game on Sunday is earlier than the rest of these games have been. So that means less time for him to recover. Um, it's not looking promising, but I don't I don't want to speculate too much on that. Um, besides that, even before the injury, Luca was actually on his way to a bad game unless he turned it around down the stretch. Um, and when I say a bad game, I mean that in the Luca context, um, still had ended up with a triple double before he went out, but, um, his shooting was pretty, pretty bad. And, um, I don't know, he was, he was not doing enough for me. Uh, or he was not doing enough for the team, I should say, to to enough of the things that he usually does, I would say, as far as scoring the basketball. And the shooting numbers were pretty bad. Um, but I think, personally, I, I didn't even really say anything about it at the time because I just kind of expected him to turn it on down the stretch and start doing more scoring, uh, especially with certain guys not being able to make shots. Um, the thing I love tonight and the thing I've loved this entire series is the fight of the team. Like the Clippers keep trying to throw haymakers and, and even try to get into our heads. And the fact that the Mavs haven't backed down, they've always answered a run with a run. 
that's been pretty impressive for me. I'm ex- I'm very proud of the way our team has competed. Uh, we've been in every game. We've been a threat in every game. We've caused the the Clippers to argue with each other in every game. Like, what more could you ask for as a seven seed with a, a lineup of guys who barely have any playoff experience? I think off the top of my head, Seth might have the, the most playoff experience with the run he was on with the Blazers last year. Um, but Luka and KP had their manhood challenge. They didn't back down at all. Uh, I think Luka did get a tech tonight. Uh, but KP, KP somehow avoided it. No no fists were, were thrown in the air, I guess. So KP um, didn't get the tech. But I think the most important thing about the Luka and KP dealing with being challenged the way they were is the fact that it did not negatively affect the way they played the game. And um, KP went off tonight. Uh, Luka, uh, did, like I said, he wasn't having a great shooting night, but it wasn't really affecting the way he was playing. Like he wasn't trying to to prove something in the way he was playing after he he was challenged so uh more on more on that later um Trey Burke and Seth off the bench were were great again uh Boban a little bit less so tonight but I think that was an adjustment that Doc made to try to limit his effectiveness when he was on the court which again points to the importance that he has the fact that Doc actually had the game plan to uh, try to make him left less of a factor when he came in. So I think Rick will have to tinker with that a little bit. We'll see how that goes. Um, Maxie and Dorian Finney-Smith were really the only two who are still struggling for us and kind of letting us down. Offensively, they were one for nine from three. Tonight, DFS hit that three. Um DFS still managed to be effective offensively. Maxi not so much. Until late in the game, he did get to the line a couple times, just not necessarily on offensive or scoring-type plays, but just being active and physical. Um, speaking of Maxi, there's a lot of talk of people saying that Maxi can't guard Kawhi, this, that, and the third, and I'm really quite annoyed by that that idea. Um at some point, you have to acknowledge that Kawhi is maybe the most gifted scorer in the league right now. Um, I call him Kawhi Jordan for a reason. Um, when you look at Kawhi's game, and trust me, I watched every single Clipper game that we played this season um, to try to get a gauge for what was happening. And during the season, we guarded Kawhi primarily with Dorian Finney-Smith. And that was leading to Kawhi dunks. And Kawhi getting to the rim at will, pretty much. DFS has no way of dealing with Kawhi at all. Absolutely no. Can't out-physical him. Doesn't have quite the length to cause any trouble for Kawhi Leonard. Maxi, however, does have the body to keep Kawhi from getting where he wants when he wants. Now, can Kawhi back him down enough and and get to his little turnaround mid-range shot? Yes. But... In the full context of basketball, a contest a contested two point jumper is the worst shot that you can get in a possession. The other the other options are scoring at the rim or shooting a three pointer. And so, if you give me the the the, the choice of Kawhi uh, dunking or getting layups or penetrating our defense and and collapsing our defense and getting to the rim, 
versus shooting contested twos and taking body blows, trying to bang in the maxi and not moving them. I'm going to go with the banging in the maxi and not moving them all day. He can hit that jumper 20 times a night. That's still the best option we have against Kawhi Leonard. Nobody else on the team is going to do better. Um, and then when he's doing that, then he's having to really, really focus on getting that shot. And that usually means he's not really, really focusing on getting the ball out to shooters. Well, when Maxi was not on Kawhi, what was happening was uh, he was penetrating the defense and either getting all the way to the rim or he was penetrating the defense. Other guys were panicking to try to scramble and stop him. And then he was hitting shooters on the outside. So Maxi on Kawhi is the answer. That's the, the only answer. The only person I was willing to see get an attempt was MKG, but then even MKG was pushed under the rim like like the DFS has been when uh, he got his shot at Kawhi. So, again, Maxi is the answer. I'm not addressing that again. Um, don't even come to me with that. Um, besides that, uh, oh, let me let me address this. I'm sure some people will point it out. Uh, Kawhi got Maxi once, and uh, that was like late in the game and I believe Maxi misread his help situation because he got on Kawhi's hip instead of staying in front of him like he usually does and like as soon as Kawhi took that first dribble I could I saw Maxi yell like he thought the guy I, I can't remember who the other big was but whoever the other big was had previously been around the free throw line but all came up to the three-point line when um his man went to set the screen for Kawhi, and that's when Kawhi took off when he saw that both bigs were up and neither one of them obviously could get to him. Kawhi, I mean, even Maxi <laughs> was close to contesting, but couldn't quite get to the ball. Um, the last thing I want to say is there was a lot of talk tonight about Harold calling Luca a B.A. white boy, and I feel the need to kind of address that in depth. Um, I hope you'll hear me out and understand that I, I don't say anything out of my mouthpiece without thinking deeply about it and considering all perspectives. Um, you're never going to hear me be completely biased in a serious way. I might jokingly say something that's going to come off as biased, but when it comes to having a serious conversation about anything, I'm going to consider all points, whether or not I agree with those points. So, um, I'm going to do that in the section where I usually do questions, no questions tonight. I feel the need to to have a serious conversation about uh, what happened there and the reaction to it. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, uh, and then I'll get into the, the, the stats, the basketball stuff, and uh, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. All right, welcome back to the Bibbs Corner Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, as always, Mike Bibbins, uh, at Bibbs Corner on Twitter. Um, and let's get straight into these stats. I kind of want to just <laughs> run through this as quickly as possible, really. Uh, Luca, 13 points, 10 boards, 10 assists. He was 4 for 14 from the field, 4 for 10 from the free throw line. One for six from three. Um, like I said, he was on his way to a bad game. Uh, even if you excuse some of the misses he was having, four for ten from the free throw line, you just can't do. Leaving way too many points uh, on the table. Uh, the one for six from three, I think he did take a couple that I didn't like. 
Um, I really, like I, I, I've said previously, two for six is a okay Luca line for me. That's that's the target num- minimum, two for six. Uh, so I can't really be too hard on him for, for the way he shot the three ball. But then when you consider it was mostly through three quarters, and it kind of kind of makes it feel a little bit worse. Um, the uh, the problem I think he was having was I don't think he was being aggressive enough at certain points in looking for his interior shot. And I think that the Clippers also did a better job of staying home on their men when he drove um, while also being able to send a body in front of him when he when he did get inside. Um, I still think he has to know that as the superstar, he's going to get a lot of benefit of the doubt when he goes up uh, strong uh, to the hole. So that's something I'd like to see him adjust. Uh, speaking of adjusting and interior play, KP, kind of a mixed bag from him. He mostly seemed like he wanted to float outside for most of the game, but then he did make a couple of plays crashing inside as well. Um, not a lot of posting up. I think he did it a couple times. Probably got fouled a couple times and it didn't get called. Um, but overall, I, big game from him, 34 points, 13 boards, an assist and a block, uh, 11 for 18 from the field overall, 7 for 7 from the line, 5 for 9 from the 3. Um, when he's hitting those shots, I, I definitely am not going to complain too much about him being a jump shooter. Uh, it's when he's missing those shots that it starts to really hurt us. So as long as he's hitting, again, I won't I won't complain about him being a jump shooter too much. Um, late in the game, I do like when he gets inside and that, you know, he did that. He, he finished this game. I have very little complaint about how, how he finished this game. Um, and even the way he was directing traffic somewhat on the offense when, uh, Seth and, and Trey Burke were trying to, and, and THJ were trying to facilitate the scoring, uh, off of pick and roll action. So again, strong game from KP. Again, we would love to see. <laughs> Luca and KP finish a game together. My God, can we get that for once? Um, next thing, THJ. Um, he didn't. It didn't look pretty tonight at all times, but it definitely looked pretty in that third quarter. He he got pretty hot there. Finished with twenty two point six boards, two assists, nine for nineteen from the field, and four for ten from the three point line. Um, you really can't complain too much about the game he played either. Uh, there were some defensive mistakes that I would like to see erased, uh, but we'll address that at the end of this this rundown. Um, he was putting the ball on the floor a good bit, which you like to see, uh, and getting out in the open in the break. So again, we 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 love that type of activity. DFS eleven points, seven boards, four assists. Four for eight from the field, one for five from three, though. Um, he had the PG assignment, which <laughs> I think at this point I said Rick Carlisle could probably guard PG. But DFS was also the only person who played significant minutes tonight who had a positive plus minus at, at plus eight. So, again, even though his shot isn't falling the way we'd, we'd like to see it, he still is finding ways to be affected by being aggressive on the offensive glass and uh, finding other ways to get the ball in the basket. Um and moving the ball, four assists tonight, that's that's good. Uh, Maxi, on the other hand, uh, five points, four boards, uh, one steal. He was one for five from the field, got three of his five points from the free throw line, was three for four there. 
0 for 4 from 3 and just having a dismal time shooting the basketball. I would love to see him get those reps because a lot of these shots are wide open. Um, he's hesitating now on some of these shots, putting the ball on the floor, which usually ends terribly for the team. Um, some some bad m- mistakes on, on those situations where he's trying to create with the ball in his hands. Um, definitely need to see more from Maxi if we're, we're going to ha- turn the corner. Uh, the Clippers have made adjustments. One of our things that we still haven't seen is a good maxi game shooting the ball. So that's another wrinkle that we could add if he if he starts hitting the shots. That that kind of changes the complexion of the game and it, it makes it harder for them to guard us. Uh, if he's going to be bricking, that makes us easier to guard, just like the Clippers are easier to guard when Paul George is bricking. <sighs> Moving on to the bench, Trey Burke. Um, it was funny during the game, I mentioned that Trey Burke was going to get himself a big boy contract when it's all said and done. And literally immediately after I said that there was, uh, the talk on, I guess it was TNT about, uh, how the Mavs have pretty much said that they want to make him a long-term piece. So definitely good to hear that. Um, I know the, the JJ Berea people are probably upset, um, but there's no way they're going to keep a, a full roster of small guards. So uh, something's going to have to give down the line there. Um, Seth also k- killing it, man. 22 points, three assists, one steal. He played 30 minutes. Burke played 16, by the way, again. Uh, but Seth played 30 minutes. He was 9 for 11 from the field, 4 for 4 from 3, and killing PG. Um, I'm. It's pretty obvious that Seth and Paul George are taking that matchup personally. Uh, it is fueling Seth while it is destroying Paul George. Um, he he definitely can't stand that Seth is hooping right now. Hooping with his woman. <laughs> to say, uh, I feel like, uh, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to get into some TMZ gossip type stuff. Never mind. But uh, no, that the fact that Seth is hooping right now is definitely affecting Paul George. Like There were a couple times after the whistle blew where Seth was getting a shot up and PG came to contest it. And he's been doing that like in every game. Um, and step, like his defensive intensity definitely increases when Seth has the ball. Um, and then even when he tries to attack him on the offensive end, it's, it's, a, it's personal. And I, I feel like on one of Seth's drives or one of his shots, when he went past PG, he like gave him a look and said something, mouthed something. Like not necessarily to him, but it was clear that Seth feels some type of way about Paul George. And I, I respect the crap out of that. And I will enjoy watching every moment of Seth Curry giving Paul George buckets. Um, I think I said on Twitter, I know I said on Twitter that that's, that's my favorite part of this series right now is watching Seth own Paul George. Um, can't get enough of that content at all. Uh, also off the bench, Boban tonight, three points and two boards in his nine minutes. Obviously, not the effect that he had in the previous game with 13 points and nine boards. Uh, it was clear, as I mentioned earlier, that Dell, Dell, <laughs> I got the wrong uh, father figure for Seth. Um, Doc has made an adjustment there and making sure he has the right personnel on the floor and the right defensive packages to deal with Boban. Um, 
the Mavs guards were making stupid little mistakes in utilizing Boban. Again, if you get Boban in a pick and roll that actually works effectively and Boban gets his man on his side or behind him or he gets a switch or or he's in space, you have to put that ball on the rim. Boban is going to go get it. If you put it up soft when Boban is in or near the paint, he's going to get the ball 85% of the time. You have to put that up off of that action. Um, When it comes to passing it to Boban, you can't do a behind-the-back, no-look pass at his ankles. That's not that's not effective. He is seven feet four inches of man. You lob that joint over the top, throw it up to the height of the backboard if you have to, uh, to get it over your man. He will be the one to catch it on the other end. It's it doesn't seem like it should be that complicated. Apparently, it is. Uh, Delon uh, played eight minutes. He had two points and an assist. Blah blah blah. Again, he is very expendable when the season is over. Uh, MKG only played two minutes. He had two assists in those two minutes, uh, but did get put inside the rim by Kawhi, and so that experiment ended very quickly. Ironically, though, he was the only other player with a positive plus-minus at plus two. As far as how this game went, uh, we do have to get more physical on offense. We were fortunate to hit a lot of outside shots tonight, but we took a lot of bad ones. Um, We have to get more action toward the, the rim to draw the defense in more to get to the free throw line more. And, uh, of course, when with Luka in particular, when you get to the free throw line, you have to actually hit those shots. Uh, six points right there just in Luka free throws left on the on the table. So uh, definitely hope he, if he's back for the next game, that he's definitely taking advantage of those opportunities when they come. Defensively, our biggest issue right now is our off-ball defense. Um a lot of bad reaching, a lot of bad ball watching. I don't understand why our guards collapse into the paint like they're actually going to cause any trouble for the guy with the ball by helping on. Trey Burke, Seth, Tim Hardaway, you're not going to affect a bigger man's shot from the perimeter, from out from behind him. York with, with Kawhi, Paul George, whomever is in the paint working back to the basket or Harold or Zubak or Jermichael Green, whoever. If you're a guard, your job is to ball you man. You can help off your man a little bit, but you have to be able to see the ball, one. You have to be able to see where your man is, two. And you have to be able to recover to your man if the ball goes to him. If you're not able to recover to your man, then you are too far off of him. Unless the ball is being loosely dribbled and you actually have an opportunity to get the steal, then don't do it. It's like cheating off base in baseball. If you're cheating off your man and the pitcher and you're too far away from that base and the pitcher can get you out with a quick toss, you did it wrong. Either you're going to get the steal or you're going to be able to get back to your base. You can't just be out there floating. You're defeating the purpose. Several times guys were making passes completely across the court to their man and the the defender on that man was so far off of him that he could not even recover in time to contest the shot effectively too far off your man watch your man stay with your man be able to recover to your man 
Kawhi one on one with Maxi is what it is. You live with the the miss. If he misses it, you live with the make if he makes it. But be able to box out your man because we allow way too many offensive rebounds on those possessions because guys are leaking off their man and watching. Stick to your man. The Clippers did it tonight, and it was a huge difference for the most part, especially early. Stick to your man. Help when you can actually be of help, and that's it. Basic fundamentals. Um, the Landry Shamit change and putting him into the starting lineup was only effective because of that cheating off the ball. They put in a guy who actually hit a couple of those shots versus guys that were bricking them, and that was that was the difference in the game. Landry Shamit was the difference in the game. I think he finished with eighteen tonight, three for seven from three or something like that. He was literally the difference in the, in this game. We win this game with Patrick Beverly or Reggie Jackson getting those Landry Shaman minutes. So when you make let guys like that be effective, you're messing up. You're you're doing something wrong. Um, with that said, this series still feels like it's there for the taking as long as Paul George is going to continue to sub. And I don't I haven't seen anything from Paul George to suggest that that's going to change. His history doesn't tell me that that's going to change. This is not really an anomaly for him. When the when the going gets tough, he shrinks. That goes all the way back to the Indiana days. I love those Pacers teams. I just knew those Pacers teams were going to knock LeBron off. And every time they they couldn't do it, Paul George couldn't finish, let me down. I was a huge Paul George fan back in those days. Huge. I loved him. I love. I think he came out of college at like six six, grew to six nine. I was like, oh, he's the future. Oh, he's gonna be the the problem for LeBron. Him and Danny Granger are gonna take LeBron down. Didn't work out that way. And now, uh, years later, he's still the same guy. So, again, the series still feels like it's there. We have to see what happens with Luca. Um. If Luca doesn't play, that's going to be <laughs> make it very difficult for us to get a W. But uh, if Luca plays, then hey man, anything is possible. I'm, I'm I'm I believe. Hashtag I believe, and I'm excited about the way this series is going. I'm excited about our team. I'm excited about our future. Uh, it's clear we're a piece and a half away from being a a problem in the West. I mean, we're already problematic. But we're a player and a half away from being a legitimate issue for everybody every night. Uh, so that's that on that. Uh, like I said, no questions tonight. I'm going to address the Montrez Harrell um, words that were targeted towards Luca and how I feel about the situation. Uh, one quick break and I'll be right back. Okay, uh, we are back on the Bibbs Corner podcast, and for the first time, I'm going to get a, into some, some controversial uh, topics here, or I guess a controversial topic is <clears throat> what Montrez Harrell called Luca a slur. 
And uh, when I talk about what Montrez Harrell called Luca, I, I don't even want to say the first two words because I, I try to keep the podcast clean. Um, so let's focus on the part that people were actually upset about. Uh, is white boy a slur? Well, let's look at <clears throat> let's look at the term in all all of its pop possible contexts. Um, if you play basketball and you are white, especially uh, in America, I would say I, I can't imagine it's the same in majority white countries. Um, but chances are, if you've played basketball and you're white in America, you've been called white boy on the court a million times. Whether it's get the white boy the white boy can shoot don't leave the white boy open or that's that's a bad white boy you you've probably been called called that on the court at some point in time those phrases are thrown around very often on the court uh from my experience and of course i can't speak from personal experience but from my experience most often it's seen as a almost a term of endearment because it usually means you've gotten a person's attention in a good way um, Chuck used that phrase about Luca like three weeks ago, and no one batted an eye. I believe he said, uh, that's a bad white boy. Um, <clears throat> before I came on to record this, I actually searched my handle and the phrase white boy. Um, I thought that I had said it at some point, but um, I hadn't said it directly. Uh, I did find several tweets from other people saying it to me about Luca. Um, in one way or another. And again, there's no outcry about using that phrase being derogatory in any way. Um, the other night I saw, I had people coming to my defense because uh, of the Pocahontas meme or Pocahontas GIF, 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 whatever you want to call it, with uh, the chiefs, you know, saying that these white men are dangerous. And uh, at the night we traded for Porzingis, of course, I, I tweeted that out that that opponents were going to be saying um, using that line when they talk about the Mavs uh, when they played us this season. Um, it was a hit. It was viral. Nobody complained. Everybody laughed. Uh, the other night when people used that same GIF, everybody laughed. And. <clears throat> Again, there's no no outcry about the phrase "white man" uh, in the in that context. Um, I actually searched my personal handle as well, and um, again, a lot of the same type of stuff with reference to different uh, white basketball players and athletes in general. Uh, I've actually found a tweet where Marching Gortat said, "I'm the only white boy left on this team," with a smiley face. Um, I used to call Joe Alexander, like I found some tweets back from 2013 where I was calling Joe Alexander white boy hops, but that was literally my nickname for him. Um, still kind of mad he didn't make it in the league, by the way. Uh, but we can't act like that phrase hasn't been used in, especially in basketball forever. Um, white people are, I don't want to say the minority necessarily, but when it comes to basketball in America, there are less white players than any other race um especially white american players so when you're talking when you're guard, setting up the guard and you're the only white guy on the court usually somebody's gonna say get the white guy that's what it is no i've never heard anybody take offense to that um and again i can't speak from personal experience on this so i try to lean on other people 
uh, before I before I just say, you know, I, I've never heard it because, you know, you can't that's not something I would want to do. I would rather somebody tell me their personal experience from that. Um, for further further research, I went on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb and I searched white boy in the box and about eight movies came up with the, the the words white and boy together in the title the most notable film was white boy rick starring matthew mcconaughey came out about two years ago did 26 million at the box office uh, all the reviews for the film from critics and from regular people used the term white boy repeatedly and again no no outcry no complaints about the use of that phrase um even in the people who pointed out the use of the phrase tonight, uh, and even the whole line from Montrez Harrell specifically, a lot of them blanked out the B word, a lot of them blanked out the A word, or both. Uh, nobody blanked out white boy. And when it comes down to, like when people were saying, um, <laughs> I can't remember if it was Fox News or one of the other stations, uh, is cracker offensive or is cracker as offensive as the n-word or something along those lines it's like if you can't say the word it's usually probably the more offensive one if you can say it then it's probably not you probably know it's not offensive um like i said it, it, if it's all in how you how you approach it and if there's context where Montrez harold could call luca a white boy and it'd be taken as a positive or if Charles Barkley can call him a white boy and everybody laugh and think it's great uh, it's hard to then flip and say that that's a slur and it's not the same as black people calling each other the n-word there's no context in which a white person is going to call somebody the n-word and it not be looked at as offensive so that's that's a false equivalency. I don't want to hear that part. Um, all of that established, should we look at it as, as a slur? Should we should we change the way we look at the way that phrase is used? I think I saw someone making that argument that uh, maybe we need to, to stop that being used in basketball. Maybe it is something that has been said way too comfortably for far too long. And the way I look at that is... To me, it has to have some sort of negative historical or stereotypical context. Um, you have to be implying something by calling someone white boy. In this case, at best, it's saying that your skin is of a lighter hue uh, than, than the rest of us, if you will. Um, the historical context when it comes to skin tone tells us that lighter skin is better. You can look universally at almost every society across the globe and darker skinned people are the ones that are ones that are mistreated. Um, so that, that's hard to take. It's tried, hard to say that him calling him white or lighter toned even, uh, if you want to look at it that way, is necessarily a, can be taken as a as a slight in any sort of way. Um, when you look at basketball, even there was a time where black people couldn't play in the the, the same leagues as white people. So even in the basketball historical context, it's hard to say calling someone a white boy on the basketball court is has a negative connotation. Now, you can say it has a stereotype in saying that maybe white boys play a certain type of way or something like that. That's maybe the best we can do there. Um, but in the case of Luca, it's hard to even 
take that distinction because he, he doesn't play like the the stereotypical uh, white guy on a basketball court. Um, so perhaps if he called him pale or pasty and Luca had a skin condition or something like that, maybe we could go there. But just calling a white boy isn't really implying anything negative on its face. It's from there. Uh, in the literal sense, whitely, white is solely a physical description. There are those who will say that if it was black, um, it would be a problem. So it should be the same, you know, for white. That's It's not the same because black, white is not a race. Most white people know where their people come from. You know what country your people come from. Uh, and if somebody calls you at your root, something something tied to your 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 roots, then that's that can be racist or racist or, or xenophobic in a sense. As for black people, especially black people in America in particular, that is our race. We're black Americans, but why should we have a distinction as far as our, our why should our Americanness be qualified? We are black. We are blacks. AP has decided to capitalize the word black when in reference to black Americans because that is our race slash ethnicity. Unfortunately, hundreds of years ago, I won't even say <laughs> who did it, but we, our people were packaged on the ships and brought to this country and other countries across the globe. And we don't know where our ancestry and roots go back to. So we can't call ourselves, uh, we can't can't draw our, our history back to a certain country, tribe, or region. Uh, we know we come from Africa, but Africa is a large continent. Um, and so when it comes to Americans, to, to, to define ourselves in our history, we are black. We are black in America. So again, using the word black in reference to a black person is a specific tie to our race and our history uh, our history that goes back to the slave ships at best uh, or to a plantation i know myself in particular i can draw my family's roots back to a plantation uh two hours from my house right now um i know that my first job out of college was at a storage facility and at some point I found out that the land that the storage facility was on was previously owned by the family that owned my family in slave times. Um, and it kind of was like, wow, like, you know, 100 years later, 150 years later, I'm, I'm working on the land where my ancestors worked as slaves. Um, it just kind of hit home. But again, our history, that's where our history goes back to. That's where the term black goes back to. And other terms that I won't speak on this podcast, um, but the other terms that can be looked at or used toward me in a derogatory fashion. White boy does not have that history. Um, if Montrez Harold had called him a Slov- Slovenian, something or other. Or if he had done even further research and found an actual slur that is used against Slovenian people and used that toward him, we, we could have a discussion about being racist or xenophobic. Um, but neither of those things occurred. As far as trash talk goes, the first two words in that phrase are the offensive part. Calling him a B is the offensive part. Um, if you're anti-trash talk, then I understand you being outraged by Montrez's Harold, Montrez Harold's use of that phrase. 
Um, but to say the white boy part is the offensive part, I, I want you to do the legwork in telling me, explaining to me why, without just saying, well, if the inverse is true. Because that's that's out of that's not you're not accomplishing anything with that. I need you to give me a historical context or explain to me a time you had the phrase used to oppress uh, or belittle or the phrase was used to oppress or belittle anyone in an effective manner. And that last part is key. Someone may have tried to use that phrase to oppress or belittle, but it wasn't effective. Did it hurt? Did it sting? Did it did it draw back to a, a deep, dark memory of white history? It, no, it, it doesn't do that. It doesn't do that. It doesn't. It's not. Again, at best, it's it's saying your your skin is a little different than mine. And again, historically, histor- historical context comes into there. Your skin being lighter than mine is apparently a, a, a good thing in, in, in the historical context. Um, again, I can't speak from personal experience about saying that that phrase has never been used to, to and actually effectively hurt someone but i had about 50 people jump in my mentions uh, i had a, maybe two or three that said the opposite but 50 people saying i've been called that before and shrugged it off or laughed or smirked and accepted that basically you've gotten under that person's skin and that was a feeble weak attempt to try to hurt your feelings then it doesn't work um but if you are different, I want to hear that. Um, usually, when someone has, is calling you that, it's because you stood out, you've done something different. And usually, if you've gotten under someone's skin on the basketball court, that's that's usually a good thing. And in this case, because there's no historical context, you didn't go home and cry about somebody calling you white boy. Again, if your experience was different, <laughs> then come back and let me know. I am all ears. Um, as far as slurs towards white people, as far as what can be effective when it comes to just the entire uh, white population as a whole, not specific to your Italian or French or, or whatever roots, if it's not specific to your actual, your history and your people, um, just white people in general. The only slur I've heard that kind of works on a historical context level is the phrase colonizer. And that came from a Disney movie. It works in a historical context because if you're a person who was ashamed of Europe's history of colonization across the globe and the, the, the atrocities that were carried out, then being called a colonizer, I can see how that might hurt a little bit. Being tied to that history, having your your appearance tied to that that negative history uh, of, of going across the globe and we know what happened. OK, but being tied to that history, being called a colonizer, I can see how that would hurt. I can understand that, but being called white boy is kind of hard. I can't get to that point. I can't get there. It doesn't. It doesn't do that for me. And that's really all I have to say about that. Um, if you stuck through this entire rant, speech, whatever, then God bless you. Thank you. Um, if you agree, or or if I affected your perspective, then great. Uh, if you disagree, you're you're free to your to you're entitled to your opinion. Again, my DMs are open. Hit me up. I would love to talk about it. I would love to have my perspective changed in some way, if that is possible. Um, again, I like to consider myself a pretty open-minded person. I like to consider myself a person that's willing to listen to all sides of perspectives on any given issue. Um, 
but man, I, I think I, <laughs> I just looked at the clock. I went in on this for way longer than I anticipated. But again, I, it, I, it was a big topic on the timeline. I felt like I needed to address it. Um, please give me some type of feedback on this. I don't really want to put this out and have it go off into the abyss. Um, I feel like I said a lot. I Like I said, I can be dead wrong. You could hit me with something and I'll be like, damn, you got me. Um, I'm open to that. I'm willing to admit my mistakes. Um, I, I feel like most people know that. I feel like that's why a lot of people are willing to come to me with different things. Um, but yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking in circles now. Thanks again for checking into the podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm still amazed every time I put something out and see how many listens people I'm getting. So uh, I'm very appreciative for every listen, every comment, every tweet, every um, mention of me on other podcasts. I love you guys. Um, yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> Let me end this. Peace.